Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening. Today we're digging into the adventures in chicken keeping on the farm and I'm going to give you a bit of an update as to what we've been doing on the farm and what's been going on because it has been a while since I have posted a podcast and for those of you that have reached out I have truly truly appreciated it. Um, Really, I have been super, super, super busy with my day job and trying to juggle that, commuting, the homestead and creating podcasts and content for the the website and stuff like there's, there's just there's been a lot and trying to find a balance has been difficult. So I needed to take a step back and I had to take a step back after um, my other dog passed away. So we 2023 was kind of a rough year. Um, Sparky passed away, who was almost 20. And, you know, he was my beloved border collie that has been with me through thick and thin and moving all over. Um, so that, that was really hard. And then um, about two months later, we ended up losing Volt as well. And Volt was um, a steady guest, um, probably unbeknownst to you within the podcast, since he used to just kind of hang out under my desk um, as we were recording. But he was also in a number of our YouTube videos and things. So it's just it's been a lot to kind of adjust and get used to. So um, here on the farm, we have been doing quite a lot of stuff. There's been fencing that's been needed. There's been um, tractors, well, lawnmowers that have constantly broken and we have had to be cutting things by hand. So I've been out with a scythe. Um, There's been weeding. There's been like more rain than anything last year. Last year was a really rough year um, for farmers and gardeners alike here in Maine. Um, I think we had maybe 30 days of sunshine and everything else was rain. Um, So that was kind of difficult. It was a difficult year and um, really just trying to get a good a good balance between home obligations, family obligations, getting meals prepped for the working week, having long commutes, like it, it, I mean, you know, when you're commuting two hours each way, um, you know, it's, it's kind of busy and trying to find a a good, a good flow, um, for what's working with us. So I've not had a lot of time to really kind of sit back and, and think, and I, ended up taking more time off doing the podcast things than what I had intended. Um, and now we're kind of sitting here, there's, I don't know, it's snowing right now. So probably when I go outside, there's going to be, um, you know, two feet of snow rather than the foot that's there. Um, you know, it's time for us to really kind of plan and think about things for the next season. And one of the things that we were doing last year was we had our chicken flock out on pasture and we had not in a a traditional kind of um, chicken tractor setup or a chickshaw type of setup. We had a coop um, that's on wheels that we moved about and we set up um, poultry fencing, electric fencing to protect our chickens from the various weird and wonderful critters that we have around the place because um, a lot of our neighboring properties are wooded. So there's all the wonderful things that live in the main woods that are about So um, we've been working at getting our chickens um, the right setup for winter. Um, I was super thrilled that I managed to score a chicken coop that would have been over a thousand dollars because I went to a store. They were 
trying to get rid of stuff and I just happened to ask about what they had in the way of chicken coops because I wanted one to separate a flock um, because we had little cochin bantams um, from some hatching eggs and I wanted to give them their own little spot kind of thing and they didn't have anything but in chatting with um, the store like assistant manager they had some coops that had never sold or had been returned so it was kind of buy it as you see it um you know they would pick it up with the forklift and stick it on uh you know in the back of the pickup truck and you know 150 bucks and so i bought two because i figured well you know maybe i can use parts from one coop to finish building the other coop so theoretically i should have like one entire coop together um the time my hubby was he was out um camping and stuff with his friends so (laughs) this is what happens when i'm left to my own devices so he came back and there was a coop um that wasn't necessarily there before um so we have a couple of um coops that go out on the pasture and then we had this other coop um for winter that was out on the concrete foundation where the large giant old commercial chicken barn used to be and of course most of the people in the town when they kept seeing us getting chicken orders at the post office kept saying well bet you wish you didn't tear down your chicken barn now um and in some ways like yeah we kind of wish that we didn't but i kind of wish that um the coop had or the barn sorry had been in a good state of repair where the option was not going to be that i had to tear it down um so that we had to tear it down so there was a lot of stuff going on on there so the old coop came down new coops got built uh we had chickens out on the pasture um and you know right now the flock had never seen snow before so that was interesting to them until they realized that it was cold um now they're just excited to see anything that's green so whenever we go out and put chicken um, scraps down well food scraps down for them like leafy greens or whatever like kitchen scraps from our friends and neighbors they're always excited to see the green stuff um our chicken flock is mostly Brahmas. There's some olive eggers and marins. Um, I think we had one marin when we lived in Utah. Uh, but mostly it's a breed that I'm not very familiar with. Brahmas I've had previously. They've got a really nice kind of laid back temperament. They're a bigger bird, which was um, primarily why we were interested in getting them. for Because we were looking for some true dual purpose breeds so my husband and um, my stepson could have meat from from the farm um i wanted olive eggers and other pretty colored egg laying birds because i want a pretty egg basket even though i don't really eat the eggs i eat them very occasionally um but our neighbors and stuff eat eggs so i wanted things that looked pretty i like things to look pretty um I guess around mid-February, probably around Valentine's Day, all of the hens should be at laying maturity. And obviously with us going into spring, they're going to start picking up the amount of laying that they're doing as we're coming out of winter. But as excited as I am to be able to have eggs that we're giving away on a more regular basis to our friends, um, there's the possibility of us having eggs for sale that's quite um, a common thing to see around here because I live rurally like you often see like little egg stands and the prices of eggs really range I've seen them be seven eight dollars a dozen to three bucks a dozen on the minimum side um so that's kind of interesting to see and I would like to see how that's gonna gonna work I'm quite excited to see whether we could just do like a little egg stand um and whether we're able to sell them that would be really fun to start actually 
um, making some income from the farm. Um, but that's not really what excites me. What excites me and um, is the chicken tractors more than anything. And that's kind of where the magic happens for me on the farm because the chickies clear the land and they clear it for planting. Um, so what happens is the chickens go out, they're in a fenced off area with the electric poultry netting. So they get plenty of space to you know really do what chickens do scratch things eat the grass eat the bugs all that sort of stuff and they clear the ground then I can either put a cover crop on it or mulch the area before I plan on planting um, the chicken manure definitely needs time to compost so I can't just plant straight out after the chickens have been there it needs time to mellow out a bit because it's really high in nitrogen so it just kind of burns the plants not literally sets them on fire it's just it's too it's too rich for them and um, plants often die off but after the manures had time to kind of settle down a little bit plants that need a lot of nitrogen to grow things like corn or your leafy greens that thrive um, you know it's a great place to be able to plant so um, that's really why I have the chickens it makes things a little easier for me they're getting fed um, helps cut down the bill on the feed a little bit more because they're getting all of this you know fresh um, pasture grass weeds bugs whatever um, you know and as soon as the sm snow melts they're going to be getting out on that land and start you know at working to uh, clear out some of the early weeds and stuff and then I get to plant in it later in the season so last year the chicken tractors were clearing ground where I'm going to be growing out some precious varieties of seeds that I have in my seed collection um, as well as being able to expand my plant breeding projects like the leeks that I was talking about with Noah from Boomy Devi Seeds. I have some seeds in my collection that this is it like there's maybe 15 seeds that are there and they're no longer available the seed company that i got them from um closed they're no longer open and as much as i have been looking through seed savers exchange on the exchange i have not found this variety so if these seeds don't make it that's it this variety is lost so that's quite a bit of pressure um but i want to be able to grow these out save the seed and have them available so i can share them with other growers i mean we all know how much i love working with seeds we know how like i enjoy adapting plants to different regions and different ways of gardening so i am very excited to have space to be able to work on some of these breeding projects and seed saving projects here on the farm um, so that's what the chickens were doing um, at the end of last year. This year, the chickies are going to be clearing ground for the orchard. I'm very excited about the orchard. Um, I've talked about orchards before on the podcast, and I'm looking to create a mixed orchard. So one that's got fruits that we're familiar with, things like apples, pears, plums. And I have a couple of old apple trees. Um, definitely got about three, maybe four pear trees and one single plum tree that was on the property when we bought it. Um, I also want some lesser known fruits, things like persimmons, damsons, gauges, medlars, and pawpaws. Um, I've got some plants coming. I'm not totally sure that they're gonna grow, but I'm gonna give it my best shot. Um, the pawpaws I have seen in, in New Hampshire, so I'm hopeful that they're going to grow here in Maine. Um, I've got just the spot for them. It's moist. It's going to provide the shade that they need whilst they get established. Um, I think I'm going to get some pawpaw seeds to kind of plant in different areas of the farm just to see if there's somewhere better that they will get established and kind of give us a bit more uh, of a chance that those will get established so that's going to be kind of cool and the nice thing with getting seeds is i'm going to be able to get some different varieties that i might not be able to get as a, a little tree or a seedling or whatever um 
American persimmons I've been looking for a lot and I keep finding them um, but they then are sold out so if you know where I can get those please drop a note in the Facebook group particularly if you know somewhere here in New England that I can get them from let me know I'm looking for the American persimmons though um, just because I know that they're a lot hardier than the Asian persimmon varieties although the Asian persimmons are absolutely delicious and lovely and I've never had an American persimmon um, but from what I'm reading they tend to be a little more astringent um, so maybe, maybe I'll look at getting one one of each um, but yeah let me know if you happen to see American persimmons somewhere uh, online let me know um, but also some of my beloved fruits from Europe um, things like green gauges for example I'm not very sure that they're going to manage with the winter weather here um so i'm going to be working at acquiring those things over the next couple of years and i literally have an orchard savings fund <laughs> uh it may be a mix of like pennies in a jar but also like money that i'm just kind of saving towards that because trees are expensive and last year we had a tenacious porcupine that decimated one of our pear trees last year um, and I'm really sad because there was two pear trees one that is in our garden area the home homestead kind of garden and the other one was outside of it and it just it ate pretty much all of it all the way down um, so it's kind of a stump at this point um, and the tree inside of the garden ended up having a branch that busted with the storm um so the trees are needing some tlc this year um and also the trees that i'm ordering are going to need some um good protection uh, to help those seedlings get established and there's a, a number of different trees that i've got i've got things like um uh, american chestnuts um coming there's some different apples that are coming um i think i've got a pair coming i need to double check the order i'm pretty sure i i have another pair um that my husband doesn't know about <laughs> um and i've got some plums coming as well so you know i'm trying to do it in stages so one so i'm not completely overwhelmed with trying to get them in the ground um because one of the things that i'm going to need to do because it's on a north facing slope is i'm going to have to put in some terraces so having the chickens clear the ground is going to make it a lot easier for me to dig those terraces in because i want to make sure that i'm able to help the trees get more sun um, and leverage um, the rocks and stuff that we have on the property to kind of create like a, a a heat bank almost like have the sun be able to warm up the rocks and stuff that are helping to like line these terraces and keep things like the soil and stuff in but also radiate that energy out over um the night the evening and um, to help keep things a little bit warmer and see if that's going to help some of these like less cold hardy varieties kind of um make it through so we'll see we will see um i'm definitely looking a lot at um oh Sepp Holzer's book uh, for permaculture for inspiration um, as well as my many other permaculture books to kind of see what um, what I can do on a slope um, to help improve my chances of having harvests of um, some of these fruits and stuff um, so that's that's what's going on there uh, back to the livestock though so the chickens last year they spent a lot of time feasting on pears and apples from the trees um we found we had some concord grapes that were growing i am not a fan of concord grapes the only grapes that i like are for wine um so they got to enjoy a lot of that we have a grape vine that's kind of strangling this old apple tree 
And last year, because we've been kind of clearing out some of this um, overgrown stuff that's been on the property since we bought it, um, this old apple tree is getting more light and uh, it's starting to come back to life a bit. So, um, yeah, we've been able to kind of feed the the chickens and uh, supplement them, let's say, with their feed um, by feeding them what we already had on the property so the chickens are kind of they're great like garbage disposal devices really um and having them feast on the pears and apples you know really meant things were not going to waste and just kind of rotting in place they were able to you know use the the nutrients and put it to good use so um i'm i'm excited for them to be clearing the ground um lots of opportunities for them to eat bugs the grass the weeds and it really helps to lower the amount of commercial feed that they need to eat um as well as helping to make eggs with those really really dark orange yolks that folks seem to love um and that's something that we've definitely seen now we're in winter because there's a lot less forage for the birds you know they're kind of relying a bit on having like the extras coming from the kitchen um when that happens like the eggs are not those beautiful dark orange yolks anymore because they're eating a lot more commercial feed and commercial feed is expensive so let's talk a little bit about the flocks that we have because we've got a couple of chicken flocks we've got a rooster in each of them for some chicken breeding projects um, one of the goals for the farm um, has always been to be able to supply our own meat without having to buy new chicks or hatching eggs each year so last year we did um, Cornish crosses and stuff and you know we ordered the chicks from the hatchery we got them delivered we grew them out and processed them and my hubby has had you know plenty of meat um, and I agreed with my hubby that I get one last order of chicks or hatching eggs and it's going to be a one in one out policy um, so number one that's really hard to do because chicken math um, and number two it means that I really need to kind of evaluate what it is that we're looking to do for our breeding project because my husband isn't really into doing that side of things like he just wants to okay we have the birds let's you know feed them water them put them in at, at night let them out in the morning and then you know are they ready to process yes okay great he'll go do that um so that's kind of where his mind is at for the uh the farm kind of activities so I want to tell you a little bit about what we have going right now um, and what some of the plans going to be because my selection of breeds um, that I'm going to order like they're really going to make a big difference it's going to make a difference whether I'm ordering hens or roosters or if I'm just going to get straight run because if we're going with this one in one out kind of thing a straight run might not actually make sense and having a thoughtful selection of what's going to be hens versus what's going to be roosters is going to give me the best opportunity especially if we now have this one in one out policy and originally we had a larger number of birds that we were taking into the winter because we have a more open coop set up um, we have a large window that is not covered by glass or plastic or anything so we were not sure how that was going to be working out over winter and there's still plenty of winter left to go here um, so we were expecting or we are expecting some losses over winter for things um, you know things happen mistakes happen you know we're not um you know old hands at chicken rearing and rearing them in a different climate than what we're used to as well has been uh kind of different so um yeah really kind of honing in on what it is that we're wanting to achieve on the homestead um for our chickens and breeding is um going to help us really 
save money because we're not going to be ordering a bunch of birds that we don't need. So if we were to get straight run, for example, you have to assume that you're going to get more roosters than hens and, you know, think about that and how many are you going to order? Like if you're just going to need three hens and one rooster for, you know, let's whatever, like breeding that we're planning on doing then does it make sense for me to order for straight run probably not because I'm going to end up with maybe all of them being roosters maybe two being roosters maybe three um, and I learned that by getting straight run last year um, what we were hoping for was more hens turned out to be way more roosters um, so it actually makes more sense for us to if we want three hens and one rooster I order three hens and one rooster um, but really you know we're we're learning as we go just like you are on your homestead like we're learning farming as as we go and um you know we're going to make mistakes with things we're going to have successes and you know we're already seeing some clear successes in our flock um we've got a breed that is very very much more reliable at laying than any of the others um and the temperament's good so you know there's there's things there that you know are good foundation things to to build on so last year so it was 2023 we did a few chicken orders uh, I think I did five orders actually from hatcheries. I got them all, f well, I got them from two different hatcheries, uh, both out in Iowa. And then I was able to find a breeder locally that dealt with uh, hatching eggs. So I was able to give hatching eggs a, a go. And um, I want to say that I did a podcast and I've definitely done a um a blog post about raising uh, chickens and hatching eggs and stuff so if you're interested definitely check those out um, I can see about linking those up in the show notes as well um, but we did a few chicken orders we had meat birds so for meat birds we had Cornish crosses like what you get at the grocery store we also had some ginger broilers uh, Delaware broilers and dark Cornish so the Cornish crosses they're raised to a eight weeks and then they're ready for processing ginger broilers delaware broilers dark cornish they ranged from like 10 weeks through to 16 weeks to be at uh, processing age um and then you know those all arrive through the mail you get losses just generally when you're ordering um through the mail because of the stress of them being shipped so you generally order more than what you need um not everything makes it through and then you know things happen like as as they get older you know not all chicks made it we had a rat break in to one of the um the brooder boxes and kill some chickens so i was really really upset about that um because it was in chickens that I had hatched and I'm pretty sure like the the one you know pure breed um blue layer that I had um it killed that one so I was really sad so you know we're learning um also in the orders that we got from the hatchery one hatchery centers um like a free bird it turned out to be a rooster but also we have had um in all female orders of birds we have had some end up being roosters yes we could absolutely contact the hatchery get our money back for those that ended up being roosters but I mean I'm okay with it um you know if I had had way more roosters show up than what I, like the two or three that kind of came in with a order of 25 birds you know then yeah I probably would have gone ahead and done that um, but it's not that they're not being put to to use. They have gone into um, meat for my family. So that's been great. Um, so that ended up being uh, it was a couple of Easter eggers or Americanas and uh, an Egyptian Faomi was uh, the other breed. Um, we also got some hatching eggs from the local breeder. 
we ended up with oh gosh there must have been five or six bantam cochin roosters and only two hens out of the bantam uh, eggs that we got so yeah we had a, a dozen um cochin eggs i think it was and yeah mo almost all of them were roosters and only two hens uh we also had two brahma roosters so we had one that was a splash and one that was this beautiful like dark um dark feathering and we ended up uh culling the splash rooster because he was a bit more skittish a bit more nervous than the other one that was a bit more confident like i want a confident rooster but not one that's like mean so we had you know quite a lot of um meat birds that came through unexpected roosters we'll say um my family's notes on eating the chickens uh that we have raised have been that there's more flavor in the chickens that were actual breeds um but not a lot of breast meat so things like delaware broilers dark cornish the easter eggers and stuff um the cochins were also delicious um and they had a lot more flavor to them than the cornish crossbirds and that kind of makes sense because the cornish crosses are only eight weeks old so like the meat on them is like softer um is how one person described it um like i guess like more like a paste somebody else described it as like which i mean i don't eat meat so that was um didn't sound great um whereas you know the the actual breeds will say as opposed to the hybrid cornish cross they had a lot more flavor they had a chewier texture um with them being older um but it's i mean that's more like what a chicken was and more what our you know grandparents or great grandparents and stuff were were used to um depending on how old you are i guess so i mean for me like my family would often get um chicken like from local farms and stuff so having a chewier texture wasn't um you know unheard of or something that isn't um unpleasant but for some people it can be um so the biggest concern for my family was there is not a lot of breast meat on some of these other chicken breeds that we had with the exception being the delaware broilers and the dark cornish which were um breeds that had more breast meat on them so for those of you taking notes it's starting to sound like there's potential couple of breeds there worth adding to the last buy list um, to get the bird for meat that my family is looking for so not likely the cornish cross though because they don't usually make it to breeding maturity because they grow so quickly um, so let's talk a little bit about the chickens that we currently have and the roosters that we've got there um, so we have a beautiful dark brahma rooster called tyrannosaurus rex or ty for short he is huge um he's like the size of a turkey um he has some lovely uh, gold and blue pencil brahma hens that we got from a breeder here in maine and ty is also from the same breeder so these are beautiful big birds lovely temperament and uh, he's going to be with some hatchery Brahma hens uh, pretty soon. Brahmas were a very popular meat bird until about the, I think it was either the 20s or the 30s, when other breeds began to become more popular for them being able to grow quicker. Brahmas are very slow to grow. They're very slow to get to egg laying maturity um, but they are cold hardy and they lay throughout winter they're they can be quite broody um, which means that they're not going to be laying as much uh, as the warmer weather comes through but they do make good mothers of the chicks so that is you know somewhat of an advantage i don't want everything to be going broody because then you know that's going to kind of limit the egg production um but having this cold hardiness they're big birds lots of feathers um they lay through winter that is definitely something that we're wanting in subsequent generations of chickens um 
and Brahmas are big birds. So the thought is that they're going to help produce offspring that are going to be of a bigger size when we cross them with another breed. So, for example, have Ty the rooster and a Delaware hen. Like, is the offspring going to be, you know, faster growing? Are they going to look more like the Delaware? Are they going to look more like a Brahma? Are they going to have more of this kind of winter hardiness like feathers on the legs a pea comb um you know are they gonna still be relatively reliable for laying in winter when they reach that maturity but delawares for example they start to lay a lot earlier one of our delaware hens started laying at about 18 20 weeks Whereas our Brahmas are well over 26 weeks old now and they are still not laying. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some advantages for us to be, you know, playing around with having some interesting crosses. So we've had Brahmas before. We like the gentle temperaments. They lay light brown to buff, lightly speckled eggs. Um, not every day. Um, I would say when we had Brahmas, they were laying maybe three a week. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, they eat a lot. Um, they're slow to grow, which is kind of one of the disadvantages for them. Um, but the difference in a breeder Brahma versus a hatchery Brahma in the size is pretty startling. Um, the breeder birds are easily a third bigger than those from the hatchery. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking to have that winter hardiness and size be a trait that is passed on to subsequent generations uh, throughout the breeding projects there. Um, the last hatchery order I got was supposed to be all females. So I got a uh, like hatchery choice marins and hatchery choice coloured egg laying. And of that, I ended up getting like a hybrid marins. Um, it looks like it's a cross of a black copper marin uh, rooster and a cuckoo marin hen. Um, I've got a black copper marin hen and three cuckoo marin hens for olive egger hens uh, and three easter egger hens or at least that was what i was supposed to have and uh, i think we also had like a hatchery choice dual purpose breed so we ended up with more bram hens <laughs> um well out of these all female hens we ended up with a couple of roosters uh we have skinny jeans and stealth um skinny jeans is a cuckoo marins rooster he was very obvious pretty quickly that he was a rooster um and right now he is hanging out in the same coop as ty and uh, stealth so we have three roosters in a coop which isn't ideal um especially with the number of hens that we have because you want about 10 hens for each rooster uh, whereas our other rooster has like almost 20 hens to himself um, but we'll talk about that a little later so um, skinny jeans grew very fast um, marins are known to be excellent table quality birds and they have the coveted dark brown eggs. Supposedly the best tasting eggs in the world come from Marin's hens. So because Skinny Jeans grew pretty fast, he has caught my husband's attention as a dinner uh, worthy bird. He's definitely a good size already. Um, he's coming up to 16 weeks. So, you know, we're going to have to be making a choice pretty soon. Um, stealth on the other hand is called stealth because he didn't show that he was a rooster until really like three maybe four weeks ago we were able to clearly see that oh that is a rooster um, he's a red and blue um, easter egger or maybe he is an olive egger rooster um, so aside from him being very very pretty and likely to have some very very pretty offspring um, he may have some great attributes for egg color breeding so here's the dilemma of the farmer we have too many roosters on one hand certainly in one coop um, and you know looking at it i have some cuckoo marin hens and other marins hens so i could work to have a, a nice breeding group there with uh, pure breed cuckoo marins 
um, and some Marin's crosses. So that could be great. Um, and then there's the Easter egg rooster that I could use to make some really interesting eggs if I breed him to the olive eggers and the Easter eggers, giving some F2 hens that would then produce some really interesting colored eggs if you're interested in breeding for egg color there are tons of really cool articles on the the web with really nice um, diagrams that detail egg colors but most of the time the exciting egg colors come from these f2 generations and onwards so that's quite a interesting area because that could be saving me some time in my egg color uh, breeding project um, so that's there but lastly but by no means least is ap ap is a well he was sold as an americana rooster well americana straight run actually um, but this particular hatchery doesn't define um, feather color or anything and for it to be a true americana um, there needs there's certain color standards for the feathers um, per the um, american poultry association so he is classed as an easter egg or rooster and i'm working to breed some of my own easter egger and olive egger chickens so ones that lay pretty colored eggs and ap is my favorite rooster he has a very nice temperament whereas the other roosters so skinny jeans ap and tie uh, skinny jeans stealth and tie have a lot more cautious um temperaments like they're not overly sure of me whereas ap will come running up to me he will hop on my lap he's he's just he's he's sweet and obviously my favorite um i shouldn't have named them why do i not learn but anyway um ap has a pea comb like a brahma so there's less chance of frostbite and um you know that's kind of holding up pretty well in the coop because we have a large window there's no glass or covering or anything there's just the hardware cloth so we have lots of ventilation in there um and it's just mostly protecting from you know the worst of the weather so having this winter hardiness is really important for our flock ap has a number of different hens with him he's got brahmas speckled sussexes barred rock delawares um, a very nice reliable laying walsamer hen called goldie um, she lays the very large speckled terracotta eggs and there's a couple of pink laying partridge rocks that are in there uh, although I think the partridge rocks actually lay a light brown egg, but they look pink because of the bloom that's on them. But it does make for a interesting egg basket looking at the different colours. So my thought here is AP might be carrying a blue egg laying gene and that would be passed to his offspring. So if I breed AP to a brown laying hen, then I would get olive egg layers. So that's that's the thought there. And if I breed him to Goldie, then I should have speckled olive egg laying hens coming out of that. Um, if we switch up the hens and AP gets maybe um, an olive egg hen or an Easter egg hen that's currently in with the other group, um, then the egg colors will start to get quite exciting from there because they should be getting more blue if he's carrying a blue gene so i'm not really gonna know i could pay to get like the genetics done on him but i don't really want to do that it, it's kind of more fun to do it the old-fashioned way um so that's what i'm going to be doing so really the plan is going to be to see what our current hens are laying in terms of colored eggs this summer so hopefully within the next month or so we're going to start having a lot more laying we're actually going to be switching the coops too so the coop that has the three roosters in it and um the like colored egg layers in the marins um we're actually going to be switching those to the other coop where ap and the ladies are so we're going to leave some of the hens that we have in with um ap we're going to leave those in that coop and move him and probably 10 of his 
other ladies into uh, the coop that the other birds are in and then move the three roosters and the others into the bigger coop and run so they've got a bit more space um so that's gonna be the plan uh we're gonna see how that works out um definitely got a good opportunity to get in there and well into the coop um get some more bedding down turn the bedding over um you know get things cleared up and get the um the nest boxes and stuff in because right now I don't have nest boxes in one of the coops because um, the hens are too young they're not laying yet so we'll see how how this is all gonna gonna shake down uh, over the next coming weeks um, so we want the hens to start laying I can see what colors of eggs that I already have some hens like Goldie the Welsomer and the pink laying partridge rocks we already know like together as a team that we want to incubate some of those eggs this year for spring chicks because those are going to be some um olive egg laying hens that we want to keep on the farm um but all the other hens are kind of unknown because they're not yet laying so we're going to see what colors of eggs they they lay and how often they lay and after we've hatched a few eggs from ap uh, we're also going to see if we can hatch some from stealth and uh, his um, hens so we're going to do a, a laying there like a laying breeding experiment there between stealth rooster and um, another brown egg layer and see what we have going on there and see the kind of genes that those roosters are carrying to the hens so we're going to see what that's going to turn out to be because you know it's going to be an interesting experiment um the marin's hens i'm i really want to see how dark brown um the eggs that they're actually laying so this is going to give me plenty of time to see what our current flock is laying but also look into marin's breeders here in maine versus getting hatching eggs or chicks from a breeder um elsewhere in the u.s um marin's like i said they're a really excellent table bird and um, I'm pretty sure they're good for foraging so I want to kind of see how they uh, hold up for us on the property how well they forage um, along with some of the other birds and just kind of see um, because I want breeds that forage well ones that are active I don't want breeds that are just kind of hanging around um, the feeder the whole time I want birds that you know like to get out under the grass and scratch around and you know eat stuff that's not just you know the chicken feed so i want to have an opportunity to see what happens with that and we can figure out a little later um what my husband is looking for in terms of his meat bird i already kind of know that something like the ginger broiler or maybe even a delaware broiler um but more likely the dark cornish is going to be something that is going to get introduced to the flock um whether that's going to be a rooster or hens i'm not too sure on yet a rooster might make a bit more sense um because then we have the ability to kind of breed that with some of the other birds that we have going on whereas i know the hens don't reliably lay for a dark cornish um, and i'm wanting something that is a bit more reliable for laying so it might make more sense to order a couple of dark cornish roosters and have those for me and kind of select the best rooster that's then going to go into our breeding program so the offspring from one rooster is going to go to another rooster in a clan mating system setup although a clan mating system setup is usually done by the females and rotating through the females um, as i'm getting started i'm looking at based on the rooster and in a traditional clan mating system the roosters will rotate through the clans so this is going to reduce any issues of inbreeding i want to really make sure that i reduce the inbreeding risks as much as possible and some popular chicken breeds have a lot of problems because of a small gene pool so things like the silver rods blue or the um 
the all black chicken or I am samami um, those have a number of problems because there's just not a big enough gene pool here in the US maybe later it would be cool to add something like that as a breeding project separately or maybe to add in some different genetics but right now we're focusing on creating a coloured egg laying meaty dual purpose farm bird that is reliable to lay in winter and is very cold weather hardy and likes to forage um, and what's going to happen is the best hens in terms of the egg color or production like the the reliable layers um, and the meatiness so they've got to have like the right kind of body type that we're looking for those are going to be moved on to the next breeding pen. And the roosters are going to be carefully evaluated for their character to see if they're going to become part of a clan. And this way we should be able to improve the chickens on the farm and move the breeding goals forward rather than just creating more chickens. Like if we went with a, you know, backyard kind of flock breeding um, situation we're just going to be creating more chickens rather than improving the overall um, chickens that we're breeding on the farm so that's kind of where our our heads at um, the last purchase list looks like um, welsomers crested cream leg bars salmon faveroles ginger broilers french black copper morans uh, Langshans, Rhode Island Reds or New Hampshire Reds, Dark Cornish, Death Layers, Shetland Hens, Owlbeards and Americanas, uh, Ameraricanas, sorry, um, at the moment. And these birds have high production for eggs. They lay bigger eggs like the Owlbeards. They lay a jumbo egg or they lay coloured eggs like the Shetland Hens. They lay green eggs, for example. And... Uh, they might also have cold hardy genetics that are in there um, or are meatier birds so we're looking for things that have got traits that were we already know are important for the subsequent generations this list is really likely to change as the season progresses so i'm going to know more about what the birds are that we currently have um, maybe the colored egg layers might come off the list and we look to having more reliable egg production instead so maybe I have more death layers coming in which lay a you know egg more reliably each day um, or maybe I'm looking at different meatier birds to focus on for the next generation but things like dark Cornish are renowned for having um feistier uh, roosters we'll say and I mean that could be said across any breed really is you'll you know get ones that are nice temperaments and ones that are not nice temperaments um, so we're going to really see what we have in terms of the roosters and you know we're always wanting a nice rooster towards us you know something that's not gonna randomly come and attack you as you walk in the chicken yard but we also want a rooster that's confident and is going to protect um his flock from you know predators or birds of prey and stuff so um you know there's going to be a lot of changes that are gonna come through as we learn more about ch the chickens that we have and how they're working and interacting with the land so that's a little bit about what is going on for us with the chickens um and you can definitely look out for the youtube video coming soon because i'm going to be showing you our chicken coops you can meet the flock you can see the setup that we have and um yeah you can see what's what's going on over at the farm until next time I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all in the next episode.